Hello, Jane. Hey, Issa. <laughs> This is Under the Bleachers. We are two adults who watch and discuss movies for teens. This week, an interview, a very special episode, with two teen content experts, and we'll tell Woo! you more about <laughs> we'll tell you more about how we um, got to meet them. But uh, first, Jane, do you want to talk about when we last saw each other? Honestly, this day has been so crazy. I don't remember when did we last that see. Walter, oh, for Walter's the, yeah, Walter's yeah, yeah. birthday. Yeah. Sorry, it's been it's been a, a big twenty four hours. Um, yeah, my boyfriend's birthday party uh, a in very, the park. A very teen thing happened to us, which is that Jane and I a few weeks before had walked around Montclair, New Jersey, and gone into the Urban Outfitters and bought new outfits, and then texted each other uh, on the way to the party, saying like, "We are wearing the outfits that we bought." together and then we're gonna see each other which i truly haven't done that since i was like in high school it was just, special yeah it's just a nice it's just a nice vibe to do with your friend um jane did you uh enjoy the different party foods that were do you want to talk about the party foods that were on display at the birthday party? okay here here's this the thing walter's <laughs> walter's joy at this party was to grill and i was like ready for a hot dog because i'm always ready for a hot dog but the grilling sort of took so long that by the time i was prepared to like eat a hot dog that was cooked properly i had eaten one million tortilla chips and like 30 chunks of cookie so I didn't eat a hot dog, but I'm going to dive in and say that I went to the vet today with my dog and was at the vet for six hours. And my boyfriend brought me two hot dogs, which I ate in the middle of the vet while there was animals all around me. Did so I, I did get some hot dogs. Did people look at you? No, they were concerned oh, with their like, okay. ill animals. <laughs> <laughs> I did feel rude and unsanitary. <laughs> Um, there was there was also a guest at this party who was responsible for today's interview. Um, yes. Jane, do you wanna do you wanna dive in with the genesis of this episode? Yes. Okay. So I've talked about my love of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen before, and I just want to recap that a little bit here. I've been watching them since I was a child. I owned Our Lips Are Sealed on VHS, and so that one is like part of me part of my dna um i also owned like the the fashion party one <laughs> but what was more important is that whenever i was sick my mom would take me to blockbuster and every mm. single time i'd be like hmm, what am i gonna get and i'd like look at all the movies and then i would get a mary kate and ashley movie and i met a girl named emily <laughs> and it turns out she is related to our guests today and they are heavily involved in the Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen cinematic universe. Yeah, some of our Patreon listeners have been really excited for more MK content, I feel. so, And have strong opinions about which is the best uh, installment. So, all right, you should introduce them. All right. Liz Kruger <laughs> and Craig Shapiro are TV and film writers, directors, and producers. Currently, they are the showrunners of the Charmed reboot on The CW. They also wrote the Mary-Kate and Ashley movies Passport to Paris and Our Lips Are Sealed, and Craig directed Our Lips Are Sealed, Winning London, and The Challenge. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. 
Did oh I gosh. get that all right? Yeah, that Those was completely right. Wow, what a trip oh, down memory yes. lane that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we that's... know how to use Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like 20 years ago, right? Or yeah. almost. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Yep, we're I old. Was, um, so <laughs> we we ask all our guests on this show, the first question that we always ask is, what type of teen were you? And um, whoever can go first. It's up to you guys. That's an interesting question. Well, we're we're thoughtful, we're, thoughtful face well, on. <laughs> we're married, so you know that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe second enough. power couple. Second power couple we're having um, on the pod. But um, as a teenager... We were actually had some similarities, I think, Craig, right? Yeah, for sure. We were we were drama geeks. Yep, theater right? nerds. Yep, theater nerds. Theater totally. nerds. Yeah, um, yeah. And we were both like in the theater department. We were both theater majors, or I started as a theater major and became a film major at Northwestern. But um, we liked to party. We had a good time. <laughs> yeah. We did our fair share of uh, partook in some, or uh, at least I did in some, you know. Activities. What, Activities, yes. Yeah. Is, but, this, um, is this um like cast parties or like unrelated to yes, your you know what? friends? Those were that for me was where the fun was. Like you yes. know what? because I hate to say it, but when you ask me what I kinda was, I mean I, I, I wish <laughs> that I was somebody different, but I'm afraid I was Anthony Michael Hall in Sixteen Candles. Like <laughs> yeah, you know, I wasn't uh developed yet. I was a small He didn't have a growth spurt until he was like a senior in high yeah, school. Yeah. So I was that oh, guy wow. who was like trying to get by. I'm just uh, you know, hoping that you didn't get squashed in high school and the theater department was a great place to uh hang out and meet like minded people. And try and, not uh, to get squashed. <laughs> Try not to get squashed. And, in numbers, uh, yeah. And the uh, the parties, the cast parties were always really, really fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like, the majority of, like, drinking games I've played have actually probably been at, like, theater-related cast parties. I don't know if you agree, Jane. Just because, like, that's, like, the kind of people that would, like, okay, we're sitting down, like, what do we do? Like, I wasn't as involved with that as you, so that wasn't, that wasn't my history, but I can see that. I can see them being very um, engaging drinking games slash annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Slash annoying, yes. Um, What kind of movies and TV did you all love while you were growing up? You you go first. I had a, when when you say growing up, you know, that's a pretty wide range, right? Because by the time I got into high school, I was already getting into, there were two revival movie theaters in Chicago. One was in Evanston and one was in Chicago. And um, my friends and I, who were a bunch of theater geeks, obviously, we used to go to see old movies all the time. So we loved the regular current movies like John Hughes comedies, you know, Risky Business. These are the kind of movies, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. These are the movies of my childhood that we loved and I saw multiple times. Airplane, which I also loved. But but we also went to see like the great – movies from you know the golden era and so we so i i saw dozens and dozens of movies like that so i I like to see the old dramas and comedies here's here's the interesting thing so you know our daughter is about probably around your age she's she's 23 you know when you guys were all growing up you had things like the disney channel nickelodeon like you had Mm, yeah yeah for kids, we grew up watching the same shows as our parents. So when I was like six, seven, eight years old, I was watching MASH and All in the Family. Like those are very grown up subjects. Like All in the Family tackled racism and all the issues of the day, yeah. all those Norman Lear shows. And also, um, 
you know, MASH was about the Korean War. Like, what did I know? I was like, you know, how what, when did MASH come on? Early 70s, <laughs> 72. right? 72, yeah, but 72. Like, I'm like eight or nine years old or whatever, six, seven years old. I'm watching all these very grown-up shows. Right. And then when my friends and I were in high school, like, I remember we went to see Reds, you know, like, you know, in high school. We went to see Kramer versus Kramer. Like, we went to see grown-up movies. Yeah. So entertainment became this thing where it like became bifurcated. And so there's this youth culture. There's always a youth culture and it came from music mostly, I think for our generation, right? Like that's where, that's where the culture diverged, but there wasn't this, I mean, there weren't 500 TV shows. I right. knew the entire schedule that was on television. Right. I knew like Monday through Friday, I could tell you what was on at the eight, nine, 10 o'clock slot every single day because there wasn't that much to, to choose from. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, right. But there was a there wasn't like a bifurcation between sort of the smart sitcoms and the dumb sitcoms. Mm -hmm. Like the smart sitcoms were like all in the family and Norman Lear and all of those kinds of things. And the dumb ones were like the Partridge family, which I loved. And <laughs> the Brady Bunch, Three, which I, I loved. And yes, also the next yes. generation was like Three's Company and you know shows like that. Those dumb. were like the bimbo, the bimbo comedies. And dumb. I watched all the I watched the smart ones and the dumb ones. Like I know I that's so that's so funny all. that even then like people were sort of like labeling like this is for smart people and this is like and Jane and I are very much like the same where we we wanna watch all of it. We wanna watch both for like very specific reasons. But I identify I mean, as a as a bimbo as a TV bimbo. show. <laughs> I loved the Partridge family so much. And like we were watching some of the stuff with our daughter. And when we were watching it, we were laughing so hard because the Partridge family, they would do a show about them being in Las Vegas. And you'd realize it was shot like in LA, like in the park down the street from us. Oh my gosh. Anything like Las Vegas. And every time they cut to a show of the Partridge family um, singing, they use like the same footage. The reverse angle is like a, is like a um, stock footage of people <laughs> in some hotel somewhere, like listening to some concert. And like you realize they would just use the same thing over and over. And we were just so unsophisticated as TV yes. watchers. We, yes. we weren't aware of any of these things, you know, right. or that they were back lot in, um, For in sure. Studio City. You know, you can see it all so so well if you really look at it and you, you know where you are yeah my mom was very very um she was like you have to like see when the wonder years would replay um later on when i was in high school she was like this show is like so important it's like one of the only shows that like you know just like had kids and like showed like some like aspects of like young people's lives and like that's why people loved it so much and then i remember like watching an episode with her in high school and i was just kind of like nothing's happened like nothing happens <laughs> in this show like the wonder years is just like young people like walking around and like nothing much is happening but it it was probably just so rare to just like see that <laughs> well just it's more it's like character a character piece for and, sure like, i would probably love that now <laughs> yeah well, so that um there was freaks and geeks and then there was also the claire danes show my so-called life right? uh, yeah. So life. yeah those yeah. were considered like smart shows mm -hmm. but that was not our generation we were already in our 20s right, right. exactly exactly yeah. is that were you writing then how did you get into tv and film writing well we're both totally we had different trajectories um craig you want to go first yeah it's funny you know when you ask like we we were always putting together writers rooms for our various tv shows we're hiring writers and it is fascinating to see the journey that, that writers take to get where they're going because truly it can be almost anything. Like if you wanna be a lawyer at a big firm in New York, 
there's essentially only one path to do that. You know, if you, right. there, there's, you want to be a doctor, there's only one path, but to be a writer, especially a TV writer, there's infinite number of paths. It's kind of cool actually. So we know people who are doctors. We know people who are lawyers and worked on wall street. And, um, and then there's but people what's, who, what's your path, Craig? Yeah. But my particular <laughs> path is I, as a, like for me, I was, um, I thought maybe I was going to be an actor until I realized I wasn't mm. a very good actor. And uh, <laughs> you know what? I was good enough. Like I wasn't embarrassing myself, but I don't, I didn't have it in me. Like I didn't have that thing that actors have to have where you want people to look at you up on stage. I definitely didn't have that. So I went to film school after a couple of years after I graduated college and I, I went to NYU graduate film school. And then from there, I met Liz while we were in New York at the same time, our stories cross each other she was in law school and then um when we came out here together i was writing with somebody else and liz was working as a lawyer and but wanted to had, had had a lot of jobs earlier that she really wanted to be in the entertainment business wanted to be a writer and we had an idea for a, a script and it's funny because we wrote we were trying to break in we we're trying to figure out how to break in we wrote yeah. a feature we wrote a feature script we wrote a one-hour drama for Northern Exposure as a spec script, and we wrote a half-hour comedy for what show, Liz? Uh, Mad About You. Mad About You, which you may not even know that show. And we didn't really understand that, oh, if, if we sell one of these things, we're probably going to be writing partners for the next 75 years. And so <laughs> here we are. Uh, we sold the feature, and that put us down the road to being feature writers, which we did for 10 years. And and um, and then about 11 or 12 years ago, we switched to TV because features is so impossible to get anything made. It's so frustrating. Yeah. And you write these things, you fall in love with them, and you spend months working so on much them. So time. And, and, yeah. and it was basically just Liz and I sitting in a room for months and months and months, like hashing stuff out, writing pages. And we were like, we got to go somewhere where we can make something. So we got into TV. Mm -hmm. And so we've made a, a lot of things since then. We worked on a lot of shows. And... So we've been writing together for about 20 years. So the marriage was just for the the tax benefits? Yeah. And so you guys are just kind of creative partners, made it legal. Well, you're like, well, I guess, yeah, this is fine. Now that you mention it, we, we never sit in the same Zoom box. I don't know if that's a sign of anything. <laughs> well, it's like we're together so much. But so from my my trajectory, I mean, the thing that's similar about us is we both were into theater in high school and then went to college and both participated in theater in college. And then when I got out, got out of college, I was doing stand-up comedy and working with an improv comedy group. And I was writing and doing stuff like that. And then one day I was like, how am I ever going to support myself? And as a woman back then, it there weren't a lot of women writers. There weren't a lot of um, yeah. women right. making especially it. Especially in comedy. Especially in comedy. comedy. I really right. wanted to write comedy. Um, and so I was like, I need to support myself. So I decided to go to law school. I went to law school and um, I like was focusing on like first amendment stuff and human rights stuff. And I met Craig when I was in law school and he was in film school in New York. And he said, ah, I applied to law school and film school and I got into both. And then I chose film school and I thought, oh God, I probably should have done that too. But we just started writing in my, no, no. Do we start when I was already in law school or after yeah. I graduated? No, after, after you graduated. Somewhere around that time. So I was working yeah. for a big firm. And we ended up selling our first script um, with John Stewart attached. 
um, who was an ex-boyfriend of mine. That's a full disclosure. Yes. Name drop. Oh my God. <laughs> John, who was it. my boyfriend in my early 20s when we were doing stand-up at the same time. Oh my God. Okay, my mom is going to freak out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's so funny is like my daughter was fascinated by that. Like one time I was on the treadmill and we were watching The Daily Show together and she goes, isn't it weird? Like he's super famous <gasps> and you're just here on a treadmill in the valley and <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, um, but Craig and I ended up working with him on a project and then from there, like after we sold that, then we sold a project to Reese Witherspoon and then we just kept selling things and we ended up, you know, doing the Olsons very early on. Like it was like the first Right after John Stewart, we did the Olsen twins. We did a couple in a row where we wrote and directed, and he directed those. And those were like crazy things where they'd be like, we need a script in three weeks. We're shooting in Australia. We're like, okay. And so oh we would just gosh. have to write these things and then get on a plane. And Craig would, you know, be shooting these things. And, you know, his only experience was directing in film school. So this right. was like a big opportunity. Wow. Right. But I think they paid him fifteen thousand dollars. Something right, crazy. Like yeah. <gasps> the first the first Olsen movie. Yeah. Um yeah, it was something crazy like that. Um, and it was not DGA. Um, no. but, but so, yeah, so that's sort of how we got started. But, you know, once we sold the first thing, I mean, it was like you were always having to, it was like being Willie Loman. I don't know if you know Death of a Salesman. Yes, yes. But, you know, like you've always got to come up with your next sort of thing to sell, right? And so we were always like coming up with ideas. And so we would, we sold an idea to Reese. We sold one to Scarlett Johansson. We were just, you know, writing these movies that wouldn't get made. In the meantime, we were doing these Olsen twins movies. And then one day we were like, we have got to get into TV because we can't sit across from each other. Um, and like one more day writing these scripts that <laughs> we, we labor over for months. And then they're like, yeah, maybe. Um, so working from home, mm -hmm. like, a, like, a prelude, like a prelude to the pandemic. We no, actually no, no. had a small office. In the, in, we rented in an office City. down the street cause we had a baby. And you know, when she started mm. to call, realized we were in the other room, you know, we were like, you know, we had a babysitter. So we started writing down the street and then um, we ended up selling a pilot that was our first series. Um, at the same time, our friend had gotten a show and said, come right on this show. And it was like a me medical show. And we were like, mm -hmm. we don't do medical shows, but we kept finding, <laughs> make it funny. Like, so we were mm -hmm. just like, something terrible would be happening. I and mean, we would write it like it was funny. Um, but <laughs> that so rocks. That, so that, what's that? That rocks. That's what a lot of doctors would probably like. <laughs> yeah, we saw like the, the sort of the quirky side of trauma, yeah. which is a weird thing to say. But um, uh, so then, yeah, our first pilot. No, we wrote two other pilots, Craig, before that right. one. Right. Yeah, because we wrote a half hour and a one hour. I don't even remember. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah. So this was our third pilot that we had sold and written, and that one got made into a series called Necessary Roughness. And that was on the air for three years. And then from there we were show running and we just, we've been doing that for the last like 10 years or more. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's the story. I'm curious about what it's like to work with your partner. Do you have, do you have a process? Like is one of you good at one thing and the other sort of does another thing or are you both just like throwing spaghetti at the wall, et cetera, et cetera. No. It's definitely we're, we're evolved. I just, beyond, you, you, yes. know, you take it Liz, but I'll say that it has yes. evolved enormously yes. over the years. Yes. Uh, partly out of necessity and partly out of, we just find ourselves doing slightly different things, but go ahead. Yes, it has evolved. Like, we no longer, well, part, throwing spaghetti against the wall is part of the process, but we have um, 
organized chaos, not just chaos. When we first started, we were like, we didn't have a process. So we, it was a very scary thing. It's like having no guardrails to the creative process. You just, you don't know, am I doing this right? Am I not? I, I don't know if I'm going in the right direction, but, um, and writing features, you would be given like, you know, whatever, 10 weeks to turn in a draft. And usually we would spend the first six weeks trying to write the first 15 pages. And then we would start to panic and realize, oh, we have a whole script to go. And it would just be this terrible uh, panic uh, that like we just didn't know what we were doing. And when we started to finally come to realize that the creative process is um, about understanding that it's a treasure hunt and that you have to find, you find the answers, but you need to understand structure, right? Yeah. It's like you can't ask an architect to build a house without them understanding architecture. So we became students of structure because once you understand structure, you know how to, you know what you're trying to solve, right? Like if you're just trying to solve story, but you don't understand structure, then yeah. you don't know what your aim, what you, you don't know what the, the, the bullseye looks like. So we did a lot of like hmm. study of structure. We would watch our favorite movies and deconstruct them. And we, we like really did the work as writers and got better and better at our process. Um, but it took years and it was terrible for the marriage because we were just, we both stressed out at the same time. It wasn't like, oh, he's stressed at work and I'm okay today. We were both in the same exact place. And it was just this churning thing of looking for answers creatively and not knowing if you're any good. And then the more success we got and the more people told us what we did was good, um, the more we sort of calmed down into our process. And we found it though. Like we, we had yeah, to find had to. it you had and to then evolve it. moving into TV, what we discovered is he's okay with the blank page. I am, I love to rewrite and, mm. and um, like doing an outline before you write something. I like figuring out what the story looks like. I like to bullet point it. And then I would say to him, okay, here are the bullet points. And he might do a draft of an outline. I rewrite the outline. He would do a first pass. I would do a second pass of the script. Then we would go through it all together. That mm. was how we used to write. As we got into TV, TV is like a giant organism. It's production. Yes, yeah. Post-production, pre-production. And the writing And the writing room. process. Yeah. yeah. It starts <laughs> with the writing. Then, but you're, you're not just doing one thing. You're not making a movie. You're making like in the case of charm you're making 18 movies yes yeah. and we mount those like every 10 days we're pr prepping and shooting another episode while we're breaking story while we're editing while we're sound mixing we're doing it all and so how we've divided the job is that craig tends to take production um meaning he's in all the pre-production meetings um and i don't know if you know anything about what that looks like but it's like the director comes in and gets a script Okay, you've got eight days to produce this thing. You've got to, to, to find location. Eight days to prep. Right. Prep it, right? So it's like locations, casting, props, like um, what do we need? Sets, uh, everything. And he takes all of those meetings and works closely with the directors to um, shepherd the project forward there. I usually am in the writer's room. I start from there. I work with the writers mostly and I make sure the scripts are in, I get them into shape with the writers so that when I hand it off to Craig, he has a script to prep. And then he takes it through that whole process. And then the two of us converge in editing where he'll take the first pass on a cut and I do the second pass on yeah. a cut. So that's what we've, we've come to do that. And I think we've become very comfortable in those roles so that it's not, we both know that we both know what we're doing. 
and he yeah. takes all the visual effects and all that stuff so yeah i mean now, it has yeah i was just thinking like it's gotta be like a division of labor at some point but like you you yeah. you all seem to have figured it out really really well, well. i think also but it took a long time yeah, yeah and also yeah. because these shows that are uh genre shows i don't know if you guys are into genre stuff i mean team wolf is obviously genre um <laughs> Uh, but genre stuff involves a, a, a extra layer of stuff. You know, all the visual yeah. effects and the look of the show, the style of it, the even the props and the wardrobe, it all has to fit into a genre look that's a whole other thing from just like a regular old story. And yeah. uh, so that's a lot of uh, thinking and work goes into these things too, right. to design all these things. Every detail you see on the screen somebody had to come up with, somebody had to approve, like yeah. they're not small things. And that's why running a show and doing 18 episodes is enough to make your brain explode. And yeah. I'm sure, especially, I mean, you you all um, probably, especially think of this when you're doing something that's based on like property that fans already know and love. Like I really love watching The Witcher, but I didn't know that it was based on, you know, this entire universe of content that people really, really love all around the world. Yeah, and they right. like talk all the time about how many, like in, in terms of like genre, just like how much thought goes into like making decisions between like the game and the books and whatever. And that so, must be something, yeah. right? Like I've played the game. I played a little of Witcher 3 and uh, it's so enormous and there's so much stuff. <laughs> I had the same thought, like how do you even begin to approach oh my gosh, yeah. compressing this into something that's a normal you know, a uh, narrative on television. That must've been quite a challenge. Oh my God. My question was also, so something that happened to me in pandemic is that when er, in early pandemic, I was working from home and my husband was too, and both of us were just stuck in the same box. And I truly, for me, the hardest part of the day was I'm done with work and now it's time to just like hang out. And that was really, really hard. And I still like like do you how do you all like just watch a movie do you even like still watch entertainment together and you're totally. not working like yeah. how do you turn off the like work talk when you're like at dinner or something like that like that seems so so wild to well, me when we're in um when we're producing a show it's very hard to turn it off because oh, that's, 20, that's true <laughs> 24 24 7 i mean craig has visual yeah. effects coming in at all hours, they'll they'll call at ten o'clock at night and say you have to watch. Can you please, uh, you know, approve this visual effect yeah. or can you give us notes on this? We have to turn it around for tomorrow. It's got to go in the show, whatever it is. So we're just the emails never stop because we're always shooting. So sometimes, you know, we shoot for twelve hour days every yep. day. So during that period, sometimes you, you're shooting from eight to eight, but sometimes you're shooting from, uh, you know, like. Uh, 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. because it's a night shoot because you need to shoot outside. So you have you're on duty all the time. Very hard to relax when we're producing a show. Yeah. But yeah. we just we just wrapped last season and we're stepping off as showrunners and we're just going to be executive mm -hmm. producing this season. So the writers room has started without us and we're like <gasps> we just were watching the Beatles documentary, um, you know McCartney, which is on Hulu, mm -hmm. and we're just like. We're happy, yeah. but it's yeah. very, the thing is about the work that we do is that, unfortunately, when we're doing it, it's totally it, it takes it's all up consuming. Everything. It is all consuming, but that's both fortunate and, and unfortunate. I mean, obviously, the unfortunate part is obvious because it can't be too much, but it really, really is fun, and it's full of every day is different than the day before, and the next day will be different. There's always some adventure going on. It's never the same. It's never boring. Uh, I'll say that. My other yeah. question about um, the fact that you were both theater kids growing up is what were your like big high school productions that you remember? <laughs> <laughs> the oh worst. My God. 
when I Wait, think about some as, of the things I was kids in. Ourselves. Okay. Well, um, Craig, first go with yours. Because I love your story about like when you, would you play Poop Deck McCullough? Yes. Now, it, I played, there's a, there's a Carson McCullough play called Member of the Wedding, which was made into a movie in the 50s or 60s. But I was in a production of it in high school. I had one line, the last line in the show. And my character's name was Poop Deck McCullough. And I had to hang around, <laughs> I had to hang around rehearsals for my one <gasps> fucking line at the very end of the show and uh, i'm still resentful about that now like uh, 35 years later but um i was in i was i could tell you in order the ones i was good in and the ones i was bad in i was the ones bad you in, the ones you like remember the most godspell. godspell oh no i can't sing or dance i wasn't good in godspell <laughs> <laughs> i was in um uh what's the helen keller um you oh, know the annie uh... sullivan I don't know what it's called. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it is. It'll come to called? me in a second. I was Annie Sullivan's brother. Um, <laughs> we, I was in a play called, uh, oh my gosh, I'm, this is, uh, I can't even remember else I was in. We did, uh, yeah, those were, the, oh, Miracle Worker. That's okay. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, then I was in a production of, this must have been embarrassing to tell you the truth, but uh, at the time we thought <laughs> it was good, which is, um, what's the, uh, uh, um, all right, come back to me. It'll, it'll, it's all <laughs> forming in my mind right now. British play, play uh, Importance of Being Earnest. I was in a production of The Importance oh, of Being Earnest. Oh, and, uh, I would love to see teen boys play Importance well, you know of what? Being Earnest. The guys who were in it were really <laughs> mature. Not me. Mm. I, was, I was Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> but uh, they were really mature. And I thought at the time, like, man, these guys are good. I had one other thing happen, which is, do you guys know who the Steppenwolf Theater is in Chicago? They, oh yes that's um these actors like john malkovich and gary sinise and um uh jeff perry and laurie metcalf and anyway amazing actors and a bunch of them went to my high school a generation before me oh my god so we okay. had these role models coming out of what great theater should look like even if we couldn't quite pull it off ourselves we we were exposed to the finest actors working when they were just starting out they were in the early 20s so that was it was really exciting for us to see great I can't, acting. Yeah, I can't imagine like being a junior or senior auditioning for school productions after really famous people have like graduated yeah. from your they high school. They weren't famous like, yet. They weren't famous <laughs> yes, yet. Yes, but they were good. Yeah, they Liz, were what about you? Well, I had several iterations in my my uh, acting career. I was mostly always a bridesmaid, always a chorus mm. member, never the lead. When I was like in camp, I remember I was uh, I was Lori in Oklahoma. Yeah, and that was a big <laughs> role. I was the lead in camp, and that was good. But then, uh, what is, okay, Babe, Babe, Babes in Arms is that the name? Babes in Arms, yeah, that's a musical. Babes in Arms. It was like literally like one of those dumbass like, hey kids, let's put on a show. It's the worst musical in the world. I don't know why my <laughs> high school did it, and I got cast. As a character named Libby, okay, which was like I had three, three or four lines or something. I was like the comic relief that had four lines, and so yeah. I decided since I wasn't the lead that I was going to do something to make my character stand out. Yeah. So I gave my character an extreme lisp. And- <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god! Did it work? Wow. Yeah. Um, did you stand in out? today's <laughs> culture, that would not have been okay. Yes, I did. I got many good laughs, as was my goal. And uh-huh. um, 
I'm trying to think what else we did in high school. Let me just say one uh, other thing about uh, being in Miracle Worker. I, I oh, was, I was in Oklahoma, I think. Yeah, you I were in Oklahoma. But I was in the, I was, in the chorus. When I was, um, I was little, whatever the brother's name was, Jimmy or Timmy or something, he was in a consumption ward. He was dying of consumption. <laughs> and I oh had, God. because of course, like I said, just picture Anthony Michael Hall. I had braces and these Craig, thick glasses. Can I show them the picture of you? If you have it, I don't know how you're going to no, do can that. But, yeah, we should share but, it. <laughs> But you but, can't um, share it with anybody on no, the, we, the internet. You can describe but, what you're But let now. me just say that uh, at the time, I remember thinking, this is strange. This took place in like the 1880s or something. No one wore braces and had like big glasses. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, it's true. You know, big afro that I had then. I mean, I must, uh, I just remember thinking this doesn't make any I, sense. I remember, I didn't even know um, Helen Keller's teacher's brother like had a lot to do with the story. <laughs> well, let me just say. That's, that's who it is, right? <laughs> Helen Keller's say, teacher's brother. <laughs> yeah, Annie Sullivan's brother. Let me just say, he didn't have a lot to do with the story. Okay, okay, and, okay. Uh, that may be why you don't remember it because I didn't have too many lines. I had a couple real emotional scenes. You already touched on the Olsen twin universe, but I was wondering how that actually happened. Did they find you and hire you to just write it? I remember exactly how it happened. We had an agent um, at the agency was at the time Endeavor. And after we did our John Stewart project at Miramax, um, our agent called and, you know, we had a baby and we needed a job. And our agent said, um, how would you like to write a movie for Mary Kate and Ashley? And we're like, does it pay? <laughs> and yeah. we said, yes. And we're like, fine, we'll do it. Cause we need a job. So but we had to go in and pitch on the job and they said, okay, so there's a, they're shooting in Paris and we need an idea for the girls in Paris. So I think Clueless had just come out. So we went in and pitched them like sort of a, a version of Clueless uh, for Passport to Paris. And they liked it. And they said, great, we need a script. We're shooting in five weeks. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. And we were like, what? We don't know. Yeah. I think it might've been six because I think we had three weeks to write when before they started prepping. They started prepping in like three weeks in Paris. Yeah, it was crazy. So we wrote a script, and and that that's so, what happened. Yeah, that's what that's something we're really um, curious about is that these like location based um, movies from that era. Like it sounds like they just already picked. They're like, okay, this one's Paris, this one's Australia. Like, yeah. <laughs> why exactly was what, that? Why do the, you know why they did that? Well, they were fun ideas to send the girls around the world. And it was usually like the girls like were like, we want to go to Paris. Oh, okay, so let's shoot totally yeah. in Paris. That rocks. Yeah. Did you have to, did you, okay, so you mentioned Clueless. Like how much did the script change from your original pitch? Cause I know that, I know Passport to Paris pretty well. <laughs> yes, we, we do. I don't think it changed a lot to, to be honest. We, there was no time to change it. Like we mm. wrote it. And they, we would change it so for production fast. purposes, but not really, like, it wasn't like they were like, okay, so we just, we don't really get this scene. It was mostly like, okay, we can't shoot this scene here. We have to shoot it here. Can you just do it as a walk and talk? We're like, oh. okay. Like, wow. we, had, we had big ideas for locations. Remember, Craig, we did it in, like, yeah. the catacombs? Well, right. We didn't fully <gasps> understand the limitations. We didn't get this yet. This is our first thing that ever really got made. We didn't understand the limitations of a fairly low-budget, you know, yeah, Mary yeah. Kate and Ashley movie that shoots in probably, I think we shot for 21 days on most of these movies. So that's real quick, really short oh production God. time. So, um, you know, they call us now and they go, well, yeah, that's a great scene. We can't, we definitely can't do that 
uh, <laughs> you got some other ideas. So what we would do is a lot of the process was working out what could we really realistically pull off in the schedule and the budget. There's something called a walk and talk, mm-hmm. right? Which means you're just walking down a street. Yeah. They're going to find a street where they can shoot it. And then that's where they're going to shoot it. As opposed to a location that you have to pay money for, that you have to, you know, load oh, it. Yeah, yeah. It's like a whole ordeal. So we picked, we looked up all these locations in Paris that would would be amazing if you were shooting a feature that was like $50 million. Yeah. But like, how much well, they do you were think all the like, cl- Well, they were all like clothing stores along the, you know, the Champs-Élysées mm-hmm. and the beautiful, fun. And no, they we were- did the, remember the, the tunnels under Paris too, remember? Right. Right. But what they ended up doing was this is what they could pull off was, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll do like a fashion montage sequence, but it'll be after they come out of the store on the street because we can't go into (laughs) any of these shops. We can't afford it. So it'll Mm -hmm. be like they'll come out and they'll be wearing this thing and you'll be like, oh, they got it. Green boa. And you know what? That was. (laughs) Yeah, that was a very, very effective way to do something without being able to go inside. Yeah, that rocks. For example, you couldn't shoot in the Louvre, so you had the Olsen twins sort of walking <laughs> with a green screen behind them and just sort of yes. the Mona Lisa like flying yes. over their head. Yes. Exactly. exactly. Well, that's exactly yes. right. But you know what the truth is? In a kid's <laughs> movie, that's more fun anyway. Like that was a fun sequence. You know, sometimes necessity really is a mother of invention, and that was like a great way to do the sequence and make it more fun. And, and more more kid-friendly than like an actual scene at the Louvre, which is probably not that interesting to kids. It's not interesting when you're actually there when you're a kid, so. Oh, yeah. Right. I was going to say, when you were writing for Mary-Kate and Ashley, what age range did they say they wanted you to write for? They didn't. They no, just I like, don't it really Cause, cause yeah. you, it's interesting cause you say kids and like something we were talking about for New York Minute, for example, is we were like, this is not, for teens like i think it's for kids but i think passport to paris is for like i don't know Tweens. maybe maybe I, yeah maybe that's, i'm like misremembering yeah, <laughs> no, no i think you know you're what? exactly right it was oh, a tween audience a bit older. right it was a tween audience and so we were writing for like you know that that was the tween audience we would kind of write for whatever audience like i mean i think tween is probably the right yeah. Yeah. look we yeah. thought we we thought that for us anyway our lips are sealed was like the sweet spot because it was really fun and it had a real poppy sensibility. It didn't take itself too yeah. seriously. It looked great, but but mostly it was just a lot of fun. And because it was like, um, it was supposed to be patterned after, I don't know if you guys have ever seen A Hard Day's Night, which was the Beatles' first movie. It was directed by Richard, oh. directed by Richard Lester. And it's a lot, a lot of fun. It's a, It was like a groundbreaking it's movie. A romp. It's yeah. Time. Yeah, it, but, it, um, and it's, it's um, we sort of patterned this after after that, and um, That's so funny. And, it, and it worked great because it could. It we didn't talk down to kids, so it could appeal to older kids that were more like, you know, people kids and they're really in their tweens, and yet it would still be completely approachable for a younger kid who was, who was less than a teenager, or teenager, and for sure. honestly, that was, um, I thought that was for us anyway the the sweet spot of where their their material should live because that that had a wide range and it was just fun. Yeah, yeah, and, and something seriously. I feel like something that went away sort of after that was like heist movies for young people, <laughs> and it was sort of replaced by like superhero action because <laughs> there are no more like I have this jewel. Like, isn't that isn't that's our yes, the right? Neil the, the Neil, yeah, yeah. The Neil Diamond right yeah, exactly <laughs> like that and, that doesn't happen anymore and I miss it I miss the like heist <laughs> our guest for New York Minute she she is a true Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen like expert and she referred to them as 
James Bond, right? She said that they're the female James James yeah, Bond she who are just they, like well, she, the full title was she was like they have to be like international bimbos. They're the female James Bond. Like that's <laughs> there's no like that's why we didn't like New York Minute because the plot was like getting a scholarship and we were like well, she no, no, never no, no. she didn't actually no, watch no, no, that no. movie. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, I have like I could talk about this forever. I have so many questions. Were you given any plot points that you had to hit, and or did you? sort of originate what these movies were and became well like there was no my recollection (laughs) the guidance was the funniest thing is they had a manager at the time who said we want you to go to australia and do a movie in australia but we don't want any kangaroos we we don't want anything australian and I remember leaving that meeting and I said to Craig, I don't know what this movie is. Why are they going to Australia? So we just essentially ignored it. Um, I do yeah. remember that when we were looking for something in Australia, we're like, why would they be in Australia? We're having this conversation with one of the other producers there. And he goes, well, what if they're in witness protection? <laughs> and I go, that's funny. Like, but yeah. he was thinking of it more in like a, I think a more of a serious a thing. serious and we story, like, right. Like so, we were the ones who came up with sort of the hard day's night kind of thing, and making it loose and funny and kooky and all that. So we just wrote a, the kookiest comedy, and instead of taking the kangaroo out, we made it a featured player. Yeah, and we yes, had yes, just constantly, yes. We just—I don't know why we thought that the, that was an appropriate response to being told no kangaroos, but instead we were <laughs> hopping through the frame constantly, and we also. You got a kangaroo paw to like change the remote control to make yep. it look like kangaroo was watching TV. So we just <laughs> kind of did our own thing anyway. And Lots of um, fourth wall breaking in that in that yeah. one. Right. Oh, yeah. That makes me so happy to hear that. Like it was all you know. You're you're like well Australia. Okay, this is what we're gonna kangaroo do. Kangaroo like, eating potato truly- chips. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I, I, it's so funny because I remember now also that. Um, the mother was smoking in that and yes. you would yes. never be allowed to see that yes. now right yeah yes because she was like a nervous she was like a chatty kathy and she couldn't talk to her Anxious. friends and so yeah. she was just smoking <laughs> yeah. cigarettes right. call, wanting to call cigarettes. up her friends but Believe, i really truly know these movies from we didn't top make to cigarettes <laughs> sexy we made cigarettes kind of like and she a, was a anxiety kind of quit right yeah yeah she could have just been biting her nails like that's what it would have been now her just yeah. Like biting oh yeah her nails. Yep. you're right or um, something but I know it was very strange. Like when I look back on the movie, though, we had we had a good time writing it because it was so kooky. Like yeah. we just came up with the kooky uh, things. I also we were big friends growing up of like Mel Brooks and like comedy like that. So we right. just had a chance to write. That makes like, me the, happy. The dumbest right stuff. Like that for made me, when laugh. I was a kid, it was on before I was born. But I've seen it all in reruns, or not before I was born, but when I was too little to appreciate. Get Smart was on when when I was a kid, and Get Smart was. The same kind of thing. It was, you know, you break the fourth wall. Things are silly. Double yeah. entendre, wordplay, and um, what I liked also about that for them was, and this is the reason again, I think this was like their sweet spot is by breaking the fourth wall and doing all this madcap mayhem. It played to their strengths, which is they're they're funny and charming on screen. They're really charming, and they can totally handle themselves. They um, they're they're great, but they don't. Uh, they don't go for like the depth of character. That's not their bag. So this and that's not, it was perfectly. a tween, right. It was a tween right. romance. So we totally. always knew there had to be some like cute boys and they had to go on a, like a, either they had to be on a motorcycle moped <laughs> or some 
some uh, some piece of equipment that right. would yep. have them putting their arms around someone's waist and having right. them. But you know, in today's world, it would have been like they're they're driving the mopeds and the boys have to hop on. Yeah, you're yes. so right. You're so right, Liz. Yeah, it was very like retro when you think about it. It was super like, um, what's the movie? You know, when Audrey Hepburn is the princess. You're talking about um, Audrey Hepburn's The Princess with uh, Gregory Peck? Roman Holiday. Oh, Roman Holiday, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah. But you know what? It was a different time. But they were also in charge of their own destiny quite frequently in those movies. They made things happen. And they yeah. made it. They Don't made you it happen. The clean water treaty. Right. <laughs> yep. No. Exactly. They made yes. things happen in spite of the idiot adults. They they made things happen. Yes, I do. I do love that. Yes, exactly. There's like always like moronic adults that we also love, especially now looking back and watching them. So Jane, what, what, was, what did you want to say? What was your relationship with the twins? And I'm so curious how involved they were with the movie production process too, yeah. or if they just got the script and were like, okay. And, you know, did they ever step in and be like, it feels more natural to say this or to do this? Not usually, no. The one thing that they would do, I, I mean, they're super professional, even when they were 10, 11, 12, 13. Oh I, I think God. I worked with, worked with them when they were... 12, 13, and 14, maybe those ages, somewhere around there. They were extremely professional on set. They showed up, they knew their lines, they were polite to everybody. They yes. were completely uh, fun to be with. And uh, it was it was really a lot of fun. We had fun. But, you know, uh, child labor laws in movies are extremely strict. You strict, don't yeah. break those rules for any reason. It doesn't matter that you're out of time, the sun is going down. It just doesn't matter what it is, you cannot go over. So, you know, because they were such pros, every once in a while, they would literally, usually Mary-Kate would come up to me and go, you know, you have 11 minutes to get the shot. She was like, <laughs> she was like 12 years old. <laughs> and you know more what? like when they were like 14 or 15, right? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe they were more like, not 15, but maybe 14. Still, but you know what the still. truth is? The truth is, though, she was right. She didn't say it in any way that was, um, you know, she wasn't being bitchy at all. So they were being just, this is the honest truth. You've got 11 minutes yeah. to get the shot. Yeah. And so and we very... would just go do it. It was a great kick in the pants because then you'd be like, oh, shit, right. Okay, quick. Everybody do this, this, and this. We got to get the shot. Time's up. They walk off the set because they have to. Yeah. yeah but wow. they were they were very nice and they were. Um, yeah. And they, they were, were very nice to their fans. Anytime we had fans on the set, I really, really, really appreciated how generous they were with their time and their energy. And um, they never seemed like they were being bothered. And uh, I I really appreciated that. They they were just really solid citizens when they they were were. kids. Like on our daughter came when, when we were shooting the challenge, our daughter came to the set. And of course, she was in awe. Right. And um because she was young she was probably what five yeah and she had seen passport to paris and she was just you know couldn't believe it and so she asked can they be can they babysit for me (laughs) oh my god the dream that is the dream i know i was like (laughs) i wish they did sorry that's incredible Were you involved in the casting process at all? And specifically, like, the love interest? Yeah, we were, how, like, the boys, the boys specifically. chosen? <laughs> well, Craig was directing, so he was much more involved in that process. Yeah, you know, what's funny. I just don't remember. I know that they, I remember they had to meet them. I think we maybe whittled it mm. down to two or three boys, and then there would be a meeting. I don't think they necessarily read together, but there was a, a definitely a meeting meet where they got they to meet them. They had to approve them. the boys. Yes, and so you know, there was a the chemistry. Guy from- 
Passport to Paris, one of the guys, Ethan Peck, isn't that him, Craig? That he yeah. plays um, Spock now on um, Discovery, was yeah. it? Oh. Yeah. So, right. So Ethan Peck is Spock on Discovery. Um, Jesse, uh, what was his last Spencer? name? Jesse, Jesse Spencer? Spencer, who was the boyfriend in Winning London, uh, was, was, on, on was on House for like, House. Uh, you know, forever, yep. like seven years. Love him. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, one of the bad guys, the junior bad guy in Our Lips Are Sealed was the actor Jason Clark, who is phenomenal and has been in the um uh he was in zero dark 30 and he was oh in, yes 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 and he was in um, Mudbound, which i watched mud. and was incredible he's an incredible actor and you know at the time i remember thinking and he you know he he was the junior bad guy it was a goofy part in which he was you know supposed to be the comic relief but at the time i remember thinking this guy is great like oh, i feel like this awesome. guy is gonna break out and i and you know he really, really did. He's that's also so like cool. really creepy in um, Devil All the Time. That was like one of the Netflix. Oh, I haven't seen that with him. Because now, now I like realize like that. Like I feel like guys with like a face like that, you're like, oh yes, yes, yes. Like move, movies like Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> right. He um, was also. Yeah. I see that he played Ted Tenby in the movie Chappaquiddick. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. And he was also so one funny. of the leads. He was one of the leads in the. Um, in the Planet of the Apes movies, and I mean, he's been in a million things. He's a he's a big yeah. star, so that's cool. Because this is, like, this is really embarrassing. I actually didn't realize that was Jesse Spencer in Winning. Like I've only made the connection now. Like it's yeah. kind of wild to me. I don't. Yeah. I didn't. It's been so long. Yeah. Craig actually also directed Shia LaBeouf in his first movie <gasps> um, when Shia was like twelve or thirteen. A yep. teen. Yep. Wow. It's yeah. a movie that I don't know if it's no, you can doesn't rent exist. it. No, you can't can't find it. It's called Breakfast with Einstein, and it was made with a German TV star, Shia, Ben Foster. Right, Ben the Foster actor, ben was Foster's. in that, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we saw that on your wiki, and I was yeah. like, oh, I've never Yeah, that. and yeah. Um, Priscilla Presley. But I don't know that you can find Breakfast with Einstein anywhere except no, maybe exist. in Germany and like in a defunct video store. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's, it's buried in a time capsule. Super funny. Um, my question too was: Had you ever been to the locations that you ended up that that the Olsen twins chose, and then um, were you both on location for for those? The ones Craig directed, yes. Yeah. Right. We never went to Paris at all. The, the other ones oh. we we went together to shoot gotcha. in London, and um, you know they would pick the location. In other words, they picked the city that they really wanted to go to or a country or something. But after that, they were not really involved. They they would yeah. You know, and, and for a so minute, you didn't have to feel like, yeah, you didn't have to feel like, oh, like I have to know, like, what's the cool stuff to see in London? Because they're like, eh, I don't care. We're in London. <laughs> yeah, no, we just wrote, we sort of came up with plot lines um, yeah, that allowed yeah. us to see the city. Like, so just from yeah. a, a, I hate to use the word in context of these movies, but a cinematic perspective, mm -hmm. you know. Like, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you guys watch these movies so many times. I uh, have been watching them. I mean, <laughs> I was in Las. This is sort of irrelevant because it's for the movie Getting There, which you weren't involved in. But no. I did watch part of that when I was in Las Vegas because there is a scene where they go to Las Vegas in that movie. <laughs> and that was two years ago. And I have a DVD in my bookcase over there of like four of them. I mean, I still watch these movies. I mean, yeah. OK, this is the perfect this is the perfect segue. I guess something we wanted to ask you all about was like, you know, for for you, this was like one of your first like okay, I have a I have a job like it pays let's like let's go, yeah. and so now it's like what is it like to be associated with something that like people millennials and I assume well maybe not people maybe not Gen Z just millennials mostly mm -hmm. 
to us it's like very iconic um you know like ip or like actors like mm-hmm. yeah what what's that like <laughs> well it's 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 only just amusing because every so often someone will say something that surprises you like we went into a writer's room on we worked on the show girlfriend's guide to divorce and one of the writers was like oh my god you guys wrote the olsen twins movies oh my god i love those movies and we we're like oh my god that's the thing we try to bury in our credits and this is- uh, <laughs> sorry uh, but yeah know, we're like we want as- you to come on a podcast and talk about it <laughs> well you know it's like we've worked with Halle berry and we've done all this stuff and you know and and it's like people are like tell me about passport to paris and a funny story is that we we sat down with William Goldman, who is one of the great screenwriters. You probably don't know him because you you wouldn't know him, but he I literally wrote the book on screenwriting. He wrote some of the best movies of, um, you know, on the top 100 list, like AFI's top 100. I mean, he wrote like... Um, well, he wrote uh, Princess Bride. He wrote Princess Bride. Marathon oh, Man. Okay. Marathon Man, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Princess Sundance Bride. Kid. Um, he's a major superstar in the world of screenwriters. Yeah. But anyway, so, um, he, uh, we, we had an, uh, an occasion to sit down with him. And the first thing, uh, he said to us when we were sitting down is how are Mary Kate and Ashley going to go to school at NYU? The paparazzi are going to be hunting them down. And we looked at him and we said, you Googled us. And he goes, of course. So it's like the first thing guy who had worked with Redford, Dustin Hoffman, all the greats, you know, was like, tell me about Mary-Kate and Ashley. We were like, really? <laughs> that's I will awesome say it's very story. nice he's concerned too. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's such a nice take on that because there's a plenty of things you could have said about them at yeah. that time, I'm sure. And like, he seemed, you know, parental. <laughs> that's was, a great it question. Just, it was so funny though. We were like, oh my God, William Goldman Googled us. That was seemingly impossible, mm-hmm. but he did. <laughs> Do you um, ever watch these movies and it sounds like your child has watched them because she was in awe yeah. of them as she yes. should have at been. Time. Um, at the time, sure. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any memorabilia or is that also like burnt? Okay. No. I, have, I, have, buried. I, have, I actually wrote the novelization of Winning London. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I, I don't have that. it, but I literally have a memory of where it is in like the bookstore at my local mall. That's so wild. So I have several <laughs> copies. I have something from a press junket, Craig, in the closet. I'm pretty sure I didn't throw it out, but it was like, <laughs> it was like from one of their movies that we did. It was like all this sort of memorabilia and stuff. Like I have stuff like that. We don't know? have enough stuff though. I, I, that's too bad. We have more than enough, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember joining the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen fan club. Fan club. And yeah, I, the don't, official I don't know club. what they sent me, but the the only item I know that was included in this box was a little plastic thing you could use to clean your computer screen <laughs> that had their face on it. <laughs> oh, I yeah, wish I still right. had that. I should say. Send you guys. I have I have something I can send to you. Uh, oh. Like I have all sorts of stuff, but back in the house, Craig. I'm telling you, stuff that we'll yeah. never ever use. No. See the oh light of gosh. day. I'll, I'll sign thrilled. a copy of Winning London. That would be. Yeah. We have Do you DVDs. keep in touch with the Olsen twins? Haven't no. talked to them no. in a long time. No. 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 I mean, if we, like if we oh, saw them, not, out, yeah. we would say hello. 
Craig more than me, probably, because Craig spent a lot more time with them on the set. When you're writing, you're not spending time with them. But, mm-hmm. you know, he was on set with them every day. So he had a relationship with them that I didn't really yeah. have. Like It was really, I have to say, in hindsight, it was really, really fun. It was a great adventure. And also, it was a great way to learn how to make movies and TV shows. Because, yeah. you know what, you don't sit around and think about things and try to figure, you just got to go. You know, it's yeah. you just go, go, now. go. And it's, yeah. and it's um, a great way to no, learn it's how to. Gotta be, it's got to be in Australia. Boom, go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jane, do you want to watch our, um, our? do you want to uh, ask our listener questions? Yes. You okay. Can... Okay. So we, we asked our Patreon listeners um, yeah. if they had questions for you as well. And one <laughs> of them we wanted to pass along was, of the Olsen Twin Universe films you wrote and or directed, which one is your favorite? I know which one I would say. Me too. What do you say, Liz? Our lips are sealed. Yeah, me too. That's the one that feels the most like fully developed, like a real genuine kind of a feature. Like that could have almost been a feature film. It's really fun. Yeah. I personally think Winning London is your best work and the Olsen <laughs> and the Olsen twins' best work. I okay. I think it's like I just think it's great. And I want to, I'm so, right now, I just really want to go watch all these movies, to be honest. That's That's the sensation I'm having. That's really, really funny. We talk talk about this a lot because, so because this podcast does just really vaguely, broadly, like teen movies, a lot of guests come on and want to talk about movies from before. But then Jane and I also watch a lot of the Netflix teen targeted movies today. And it just is so mind bending to think of, you know, some that we really don't like or think that the writing is really bad or something like that, like that becoming like their like Mary Kate and Ashley or something of the people who what are, are you watching that, so that, that is like the kissing booth kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, the, literally yeah. our last episode is, was the kissing booth too. Yeah. Have you seen have that? The third. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. We oh, watched okay. it and we reviewed it. <laughs> oh, and um, did you like it? And no. It- <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> and, but but that one is also particularly relevant because a, a girl wrote it on a website called Wattpad, wrote the whole series as a teen, and it got sold. Um, right. And and that and she was fifteen. Yeah. So that is also like, just yeah, like thinking about those people looking teens, back fondly teens. on these movies. <laughs> I have <laughs> another question that just came to mind: the fashion. The fashion is mm. also iconic. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm sure you were not involved in that, sure. but like, what was, did, did the people who were like giving them the crossover shoulder messenger bag know that they were going to have little girls like me yes. forcing their parents to oh, buy these yes. messenger well, bags? They, sure. they were, you know, this is, I guess, is this around Sex and the City time? Like, is it in the same time? Frame? Yes. Well, right? because they had, a, they had a costume designer um, you know, and they also were selling, I think, merchandise, like their own fashion line and stuff. Um, right, it was already they, going. They were very conscious of fashion and they made it a point to make it a big part of everything that they did. Yeah, mm. and they worked very closely with the, with the uh, costume designer and they had full approval over all that stuff. And they, it was very, very important to them, which makes sense since they already knew that that was what their business was going to be. Um. But uh, so, and, and the, the, I was not involved in the decision-making process about <laughs> wardrobe. Like, I don't really know anything about that subject. Wow. Women's okay. I wish I, because like winning, winning London, there was, there's a lot of fashion involved where they jump out yes. of like sure. closets and they're, they're like dancing yes. around. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, they so always told us to write that into the script, like oh, put montages. stuff in there. Yes, exactly. I think I didn't get credited. Didn't I rewrite the Winning London script? But I didn't get Correct. credit. Correct. <gasps> yeah. That's right. It, something happened. I guess we weren't going to write that script because we were doing something else. And then That's they right. said, but then they hired Craig to direct it and they asked me to rewrite it. So I rewrote yeah, it. You just okay, rewrote well, it, we're correcting yeah. history on this podcast. Yeah. Liz Kruger, <laughs> Winning London. Who, yeah. who wrote the Lord Voldemort line? Oh my remind, God. Remind me what it was. Okay, so the, the twins need to break into the, the, the men's club, but they have to dress up as, as boys and they talk to this old man and he's like super blind or something, or he, he he's like old and he can't see. And then they're talking to um, one of the love interests father. And he's like, oh, like, who's your father? And she's like, <clears throat> Lord Voldemort. <laughs> that I honestly remember, but wait, Craig, did Kathleen and I write this together? Was this the one she worked with me on? Cause I don't remember. It's just too long ago. I can't remember. The funny either. thing is I hadn't thought of that scene in forever, but all of a sudden I'm right, remembering. Where they dress up like boys, yes. right? Yeah. And I'm remembering shooting that scene in the, the we, we went to an actual men's club in, uh, oh. in London. Yeah. Yeah. Just think wow. about the idea of that now. Sort oh, it like, probably, yeah. these things still exist. They still exist. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I know, but I don't think it would be, it would be treated so differently the idea of a men's club like yeah i don't think i even like absorbed anything about it like at that age no i was still i was was forbidden to watch sex in the city that's the age i was well (laughs) right right that makes good sense my mom and sister watched sex in the city and i was too young and so like i always felt just like the baby that i know that wasn't allowed to watch i was like one day i'll be old enough to watch it um Uh, I mean, it's it's so interesting to me that, you know, something you pointed out was like growing up, you all didn't really watch, um, I guess, movies that were like specifically written for young people. Um, but like now, do you feel like um, since you had your own like child and watch them grow up watching some of that, like what were some that you were like, this is good. And like, I wish are there any like things that <laughs> you got to watch as a family that you were like, oh, I wish I had this when I was this age. I'm trying to think about that. It's such a yeah, long I don't know. time. I can only say that one small thing that sticks for me is um, when my kid was that age, Avatar, the animated series, was was yeah. was cooking. And uh, I remember thinking at the time, this is way better than anything else that's in this genre that's it's made so specifically <laughs> for kids. I couldn't believe how smart it was. Yeah. And, and so that was something that we really enjoyed watching together that I... I, it really surprised me. That was, it's still to this day, like it's considered terrific. But at the time I didn't know that. I just was watching it with her going, man, this is really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, a lot of, I, I watched it in high school and I remember like coming to school to discuss episodes with friends and being like, is this weird that we're like talking about an animated <laughs> series? But like, it did seem like very much written for like older kids. Yeah, like, very sophisticated excited. storytelling. I just yeah. remember watching the Disney Channel and being absolutely horrified by what I was seeing. Like truly <laughs> horrified and like upset that because what it did is it created a generation of kids who mimicked that way of talking. Oh. And it was just like, oh. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting, yeah. Yeah, it was like all the um, Hannah Montana, like what else was on Craig that she would watch? And I just, I hated those shows. Did you show yeah. her the Sopranos just to make sure she spoke? She at least spoke with <laughs> a little like, counterbalance edge. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
No, I mean, we were back. I remember I showed her all the president's men when she was 10, which (laughs) do not ask me what I was thinking. I was desperately trying to like, just a uh, fun experiment. Of, yeah, I was trying to like, uh, what's the word, balance, you know, the idiocy with something intellectual. But when I think about it now, I think she was like rolling around on the floor. Like she just, uh, what was it's I super, thinking? so boring, yeah. I know, I'm trying to explain Watergate to her when she's 10. <laughs> so, yeah, so we did try to, to, to mitigate the um, effects of Disney Channel brain. But so it's a long time. But you know, like um, our friend directed Twitches. Do you know what Twitches is? No. It's a oh. Disney Channel movie. It's a yeah. Okay. I didn't famously did not have Disney Channel. Twitches too. Yes, Jane uh, was a no Disney Channel kid. Good. That's good. That's why I, I sound so intelligent. I, I, yeah, that's why we're doing a podcast that the Genesis was in like the Teen Wolf reboot. It's so funny. I, I love that you guys still like this. My daughter still likes, so I was going to say like Twitches and Twitches too. We saw that I she downloaded Twitches. that recently and we're like, what? what is that? But I guess there's like a comfort in it. Absolutely. There's a sentimental value. And when we were younger, maybe it's part of this, but there is so much choice now and it's so overwhelming. Yeah. And so like returning right. to a time when there was such a limited choice, it feels comforting and just everybody yeah everybody would talk about the same movie at school because you all watched it that's the one that came out that month yeah right it's so funny because I remember somebody sent me an article that they had read somewhere that was like the Olsen's movies ranked or something yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that that was a thing that they'd ranked all those movies and I remember saying to Craig I'm like I can't believe our movie is not number one like it wasn't I, I no wait what was number one I, i'm trying to remember one of the, it was like do you remember one of, their, one of their movies that we didn't do was like get not getting there but like did i can't remember to, switching to like, goals no maybe Holiday it takes two well it takes oh, two it takes two it, it takes yeah. two is cute it's really it's good. a real movie yeah, yeah. tim's yeah. like i'll give him that yes <laughs> but i think our lips are sealed and uh um winning london paris and winning london tend to to do okay on those lists absolutely those are top five no questions asked yeah did you see the challenge you remember when they were on the reality show yeah of course and they ate the fruitcake and then and then he couldn't eat the fruitcake exactly (laughs) the funny thing is a good guy theo theo rossi was in um what was he in sons of anarchy He's, oh a, he's one God. of the series regulars in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize. Wow. Oh, I love. I love this. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So many but, people's um, careers you know, began the, the, under the tutelage of Craig Shapiro. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. But you know, the funny thing is that uh, so much of coming up with these movies is the, the hardest part of any project, really, whether it's a big feature or a TV show or, or an, an Olsen movie, is just what's the basic idea is it good enough to support an entire movie? Like if it was that easy to come up with it, people would be coming up with them all the time. It's hard to do. (laughs) So the challenge is to come up with it when you've only got like basically two or three days to come up with something that you can hang a whole movie on. That that's a, that's a serious challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And so right now you're working on charm. You mentioned that you're, you're just going to be executive producers for the next season. What does, what does that mean? It sounds like as showrunners, you were doing everything Yes. What does that mean for you now? Well, um, in the we did not produce the first season of Charmed. Mm-hmm. We were hired in the second season to sort of get turn it into a little more of a genre show, less of a kind of it was a little 
comedic and not quite as grounded, I think maybe as they had, had hoped in the beginning. So we kind of shifted it in that direction. And then we did that for two seasons. And now um, uh, we're sort of elevating three writers who are on the show already. Um, one of them was an is executive producing with us, meaning he was helping us run the show. So he and two of the other writers are going to take over the day to day. And we're sort of like helping them get the season launched by just giving them guidance, you know, but not really, we're not pulling all the levers and we're each going to direct an episode. That's um, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So that we can focus on developing other things. Oh, cool. Do you have yeah. any, can you share anything that you're working on? Not right now. <laughs> Can't well, share yet. Maybe no, we'll a, more, a, a more general question we did have was like, do you see yourself going back to movie or anything for young people in the future or no you've left the teen the teen content behind well i can't ever say never but right it's really hard to know right but we've done a lot like we started out doing olsen twins movies then we started doing we wrote romantic comedies for years then we somehow fell into doing like sci-fi with halle berry and um then we did sort of like a thriller with salvation which is a show i highly recommend it's our favorite so i highly recommend that and um, um, so we, and then we were doing Charmed, you know? So it's like, yeah. we've, we've done a lot of different things and we always like, it's really about the challenge of doing things and like. Like the Mary Kate and Ashley movie, the challenge. Exactly. Absolutely. But you know, like doing Charmed was, you know, creating a whole universe and building new sets. And um, so anything that's challenging and interesting, that's sort of where we go. But you that's know, the, one of the charms. One of the charms of this job is you kind of never know what's around the corner, you know? So you, you just don't know what genre you might be working in or yeah. what network it's- Hopefully something, a, but hopefully yeah. it's something and not nothing. If, if you, when you turn the corner, there's nothing there, then I guess you're done, but mm-hmm. hopefully not yet. Um, no. for, for fun, when you're not working, what are you all watching these days aside from the Beatles documentary? Okay, let's see. What did we watch, Craig? We watched Lupin. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, Lupin, Lupin, Lupin. I'm not, I'm not fo- a French speaker. <laughs> no, that's why I was not going to try it. But Lupin <laughs> is is great. Uh, we really enjoyed that. Um, what did, oh, I did the watch. Be- we watched the Beatles. Um, the McCartney documentary. McCartney documentary. I watched Bridgerton with my mother, which I don't <gasps> recommend. <gasps> Uh, very, you talked about very the same relevant. thing. I talked about the same thing where I watched Bridgerton. I thought it was just like very, you know, whatever. Horny. Pleasure watching. Very horny. And then my mom and my grandma, like all my mom's mom. So like all three of us have watched it and talk about being attracted to the main guy. And I'm like, I cannot watch a show where well, a man is going realize- down on yeah. a young woman and we all find him a child like that's not okay like I can no longer no, no it was and not- every aunt of mine has now watched it it's like very weird well the part that was uncomfortable is not realizing what Bridgerton was and saying yeah. to my, I was with her and I said oh let's watch something and we started watching the show and I went like oh and then she said what is this, some kind of porno and I said <laughs> Well, and it's funny because I, I like sort of, I feel like I, I've watched Grey's Anatomy for a really long time. So I've watched a bunch of Shondaland shows just like as my like, I'm cooking, I'm going to put on a show like show. Yeah. And I didn't know. And Shondaland shows always have sex, but they don't 
get to be as explicit as Bridgerton. Yeah, so I was truly, Extremely. I was so surprised. I was just like, whoa, I, am I imagining this? Like, yes, I- <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was shockingly um, uh, explicit. Yes. So as I say, with my 89 year old mother uh, <laughs> by my side, I was like, I kind of didn't know what I was supposed to do. Like, do I turn this oh off? My God. Or- so, so happy I'm not the only one. I mean, my grandma loved it. She only had good things to say. And that really hilarious. scared me. <laughs> Craig, what about it's you? <laughs> well, for me, yeah. <laughs> I will say that for me, the only, this is, goes back a long way, but when I was a kid, my mother took me to see a movie called Coming Home, which was an Academy Award nominated movie. It's considered a classic with Jane Fonda and John Voight. He comes home from Vietnam and it's a heavy, heavy, heavy drama with Bruce Dern and I was probably 13 or 14 and there is a sex scene in which uh Jane fought well it's all about how he came back from the war and he's in a wheelchair now and it's they're not sure if he can perform no one knows and Jane Fonda goes down on him and I was sitting next to my mother and now it wasn't explicit in the sense that in those days that happened below the frame line you didn't see yes, that but yes. you knew what was going on you knew yeah and yeah i i still get the vapors now just thinking <laughs> about it i was like oh i wish i was anywhere else the, on earth right now it's so horrible he is physically so fanning himself yeah that was um, that was a what? memorably horrible experience but you liked um we what else did we watch it's so weird that i can't remember didn't you i know like we watched these French, things this is the problem the French, with uh, spy series that you liked oh uh the bureau Okay, the Bureau yeah, yeah. is terrific. I will say oh, that my favorite know. show of the last few years uh, is um, a German show called Dark. Oh. It's uh, really, really ingenious uh, science fiction show, time travel show that is so clever and complicated that you need like a flow chart to keep track of all the characters. Oh I'm God. very, very impressed with the writing, the acting, the directing, the whole thing. It's a really excellent show. This sounds like the exact thing Pennant. my nerd husband and his I was gonna say to get into. <laughs> sounds like scary, Craig would have understood that would, is it scary? That would like really tip it over the edge. <laughs> it has some creepy no, I, parts I wanna, to it. Yeah. I want to watch. Yeah, that sounds fun. I, I love this show. <laughs> Jane, what have you been watching lately? Okay, so we decided to go to the movies yesterday, mostly to for air conditioning purposes. Um, but there was there was like nothing we wanted to see, and then I realized that Roadrunner, the Anthony Bourdain documentary, was out, yeah. and so we went to see that, and I really liked it. I do think that whenever you're trying to make a narrative of someone's life, like there's bound to be issues. I mean, because that's just not how life is. It's it's not a story. Um, and it's especially questionable when that person has really serious mental health issues. And, yeah. you know, cause the whole point is like, they're trying to answer this question of why, why did he commit suicide? Well, maybe because he needed to be on medicine, the sort of, I was right. like, well, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. that's the answer, but um, it was really good and really informative. And, oh, also another problem is they, ne- they didn't ask his girlfriend to yeah. be interviewed. So yeah, I know that was surprising. Asia Argento was not in it. I yeah, and that's why. a big, and they they didn't ask her. The, well, and the, did you the did you all hear about it. the thing? Um, they like CGI'd his voice. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah not, uh, that's yeah. truly like a 2021 like bad place like. Thing but it, that, it is really it's uh, really good. And, but like, I, yeah, I've done. heard so good. Yeah. And then last night we watched the Nice Guys with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, Ryan. And, Which yeah. Ryan? 
Ryan? No, isn't that, it's Ryan Gosling, I think. Thank you, yes, Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Gosling. Yeah, Sorry. Ryan Gosling. And yeah. that Did other like guy? I right, loved that, it. That it other was guy great. Was yeah, <laughs> it was dope. Issa, I think you'd like it. Uh, it's okay. a terrific what? movie. Why did you say that in a weird way? Which way? <laughs> which, um, which oh, way? Russell Crowe. Oh, Russell Crowe. Matt Bomer. Okay, okay. Oh, Margaret. Oh, Matt Bomer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Jane. Yeah. This is relevant for you because this is one of your favorite movies. I watched Room for the first time with Brie Larson. It's not one of my favorite I, movies. Oh, one of your favorite books? No. Okay. Take it just, back. You just had like talked about it so much, and we're so surprised I had not seen it ever. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I like it. Don't get me wrong. We did it. Yeah, we we watched it just out of boredom, and also it was on our list of things to watch. And also, I I didn't quite get the like Brie Larson like uh, hype Damn. until now. I was like, wow, she's so. Do you think good. she's pretty? <laughs> Stop. Do you, I'll do this they... in front of our current guests. Okay. She was not. She was not supposed to be pretty in room. So. Except she was, because she's freaking um, pretty. And now we're uh now we're still watching i'm i'm speaking of teen stuff that is maybe bad i we're we're still going back and watching all of friday night lights i just really i really actually good show i'm really it gives me a lot of pleasant feelings i think the thing that's best about that show is that it's about middle america but it's about like um just everybody having to have good relationships in their lives and like that's something that I'm like oh this is so nice like if there's anything that you can walk away besides all the football and everything um you're just like people people have to love each other and love their friends and support each other and I'm like yes yes that's a good message (laughs) I I wish yeah I wish that you guys watch good trouble have you ever seen good trouble no interesting you see right audience for it it's on freeform and i guess is it on hulu too maybe i think so uh, yeah maybe it was a continuation like of the fosters oh yeah, i've yeah. never seen that um, it, um, wow that's interesting yeah it's really I, well done I it's a soapy we, show and it's it's really well it's done. it's really well done i think you should watch that i think you would like it Dane, i think like someone in it is someone that we've like discussed before not on the podcast but just like in our like following 20 something celebs world also, it's a compliment that you guys thought we were around 23 because it's... <laughs> Wait, they, you said that? Liz was like, she's around your age. She's 23. And I was like, a, a while ago Incredible. at the time of the episode. And I was like... Well, I don't know how old you are. <laughs> like, if you're Emily's friend, Emily's probably, what, 25? 25. 20. Yeah, like, Emily's like 25 I'm, or 26. I'm 29 and Jane is 28. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm 23. Right, but you're not that far. It's not like you're 45 and I thought you were right. 23. It's like, well, we're talking about within the, the world yes, of yes. possibilities. <laughs> but, you know, speaking of like people like Mary and Olsen, we are becoming aware of like the Zoomers just like, just really coming up in terms of creating their own fashion and being way cooler than us. And so we, we already feel dried up. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are dried up, we're in trouble. Yeah, we have, we have a big problem. Yes, we do. You're not dried up. You're in the. You're in your prime. You, this is your moment. Okay, good. good. Where is my Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie opportunity? That's well, what I'm. You gotta. You gotta start writing. Oh, I'm. Oh, I'm writing. Just uh, <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Uh, okay. <laughs> On that note. Yes. Thank you, people you're who welcome. are actually successful, actual <laughs> experts, experienced, doing incredible stuff. Thank and you so by the much way, for being on the podcast. At your You're age, welcome. we were not successful and we were wondering what would become of us. So I don't yeah. want you to think you're washed up. You, and you look haven't at you, even begun. Look at you now, actual executive producers. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much You're for welcome. entertaining our our bonkers questions that Jane and I have. Jane, okay. you've written some of these questions for like you've you've had these for like weeks, like knocking around. Oh yeah, I wrote these. <laughs> I, I actually thought you were going to say thank you for entertaining our mothers. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That too. I just want to know how many people listen to this. I think you need to just email us and let us know how many yeah, people. We listen. can do that. <laughs> um, Jane, would you like to mention our upcoming topic? yes um it's the gossip girl reboot speaking of reboots speaking of reboots and stuff that's gonna replace um our own fond teen content memories yeah we have we have gossip girl reboot i may have watched a little bit of it at a party but i was not sober so it's okay i don't remember anything um (laughs) and one of us will usually we do one of us will watch just the pilot and one of us will watch the whole season so jane we we gotta work that out (laughs) rock paper scissors for it (laughs) Okay, that was Under the Bleachers, our podcast about teen content. We would love if you hit that subscribe button, whatever way you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and leave a review. And please share us with a friend. And with a teen. You can get in touch with us at underthebleacherspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter at at bleacherteens. Also subscribe to our Patreon to kick us some support, especially if you can't get enough and want added perks like being able to ask about the Mary Kay and Ashley universe (laughs) at patreon.com slash under the bleachers pod. Okay, we will see you next time. Under Under the the bleachers. bleachers.